This is This is Collected Thoughts with Keyshawn Harper. Fast! Last night I cut the light off in my bedroom, hit the switch, was in the bed before the room was dark. Incredible. Confidence. Confidence that's so loud, so raw, so real, that you'd believe anything they say. I was going to rip his heart out. I'm the best ever. I'm the most brutal and vicious and most ruthless champion there's ever been. There's no one can stop me. That's right. I have wrestled with an alligator. I done tussled with a whale. I done handcuffed lightning, throw thunder in jail. That's bad. A lot of the greats have had that unwavering belief in themselves. And for one reason or another, no matter what the odds look like, those strong wills believe that they could conquer. And those with the most supreme of wills, they make you believe too. There's no one that can match me. My style is impetuous. My defense is impregnable. And I'm just ferocious. I want your heart. I want to eat his children. All of you chumps are going to bow when I whoop him. All of you. I know you got him. I know you got him picked. But the man's in trouble. I'm going to show you how great I am. But I, I always wondered how do people get to that place? How do you make your mind believe that you can do anything, and I mean anything, no matter what the odds are? Of course, there is that fake it till you make it mantra, and yes, that works to an extent, but what I'm talking about is different. There have been times in my life where I saw myself as lower than ordinary. Not very long ago, I gained a bunch of weight. I felt abandoned. I hated looking myself in the mirror, both internally and externally. But despite all that, I wanted to get my fire back. I was missing it. And looking back now, I wanted to develop this delusion of myself, like so many people we look up to have. I wanted to see myself as a hero in my own movie. I wanted to be like Ali, saying I am the greatest. I wanted to be like Mike Tyson, feeling that no man could stop me. But the more and more I thought of it, the more I realized that in order to be a hero in your own movie, there has to be a conflict. Muhammad Ali, Mike Tyson, Air Jordan... They all had dragons that needed to be slain. And maybe if I were to get to that point, I did too. The question was though, what is my dragon? Running at times can be a miserable thing. And depending on who you are and who you're talking to, it's always a miserable thing. The constant pounding of your foot onto the pavement the aches and the pains of your knees going through torture and we have all embarrassed ourselves one time or another gasping for air far more quickly into the run than we like to admit it's at the peak of this exhaustion when we really dig deep and wonder why the heck we're running in the first place and for me when i'm at these points i think of those people who sign up for competitive races and i can't help but to think they had to be masochists look take one of the most revered accomplishments in running Something that everyone strives for in that type of environment. Completing a marathon. The marathon is a physical feat that dates back to ancient Greece, attributed to, you guessed it, some sort of Spartan history. Legend has it that a Spartan soldier, Phidippides, ran from the battlefield of Marathon all the way to Athens, nonstop, to tell the Athenians that Persia was defeated in battle before, get this, he collapsed and died. The distance he ran between those two places happened to be 42.195 kilometers, or 26.2 miles. And thus, the marathon was born. So looking at this, I knew I was in no way, shape, or form ready for a whole marathon, but I still wanted the challenge. So, I decided to be cool and sign up for a half marathon first. 
And no, this wasn't some world championship boxing match or Super Bowl, but it was something that I had never done before. And nobody starts off on those big stages. You have to start somewhere, right? And I was never much of a runner. Like these stubby little limbs do better with power movements. But I don't believe this body was made for long distance running. And it was because of that that I wanted to do this. Prior to my half marathon training, the longest run I'd probably been on was probably a 5K, which is a grand total of 3.1 miles. So the mission became to turn that 3.1 into a 13.1. And to get there, I needed to get just a little crazy. Not only did I have to make my body be able to do this, I had to trick my mind into allowing myself to do it. For those who don't know, the brain is pretty much obsessed with keeping the body together. And when your calves are screaming at you to stop running, I'm pretty sure your brain's going to do all it can to drive that message home for you to stop running. But that was the thing. I had to trick my brain into believing that this once impossible mission of running 13.1 miles I had to make it seem like a guarantee in my own mind. I had to make it seem doable. I had to get delusional. But the more and more I tried to figure out how to get delusional, the more and more I realized that in some ways I already was. I couldn't get into this greatest man alive mindset because there were already a few things residing in my psyche that refused to leave. I slowly began to realize that in order to become delusional, I had to get rid of some programming that already exists in my head. And I'm sure that exists in your head as well. This program may make us look at the outside world and see it differently than what it may truly be. And because of this view, our views of ourselves become dis- What I'm trying to- Hear me- Listen, I'm just- What I'm saying is, in order to become delusional, I had to get rid of some distortions. Can you hear me now? Okay, good, good. Anyways, like I said, we're talking today about distortions. More specifically, we're talking about cognitive distortions. If we were to take a scholarly approach to this, a cognitive distortion would be defined as an exaggerated or irrational thought pattern involved in the onset or perpetuation of psychopathological states such as depression and anxiety. Which sounds like a mouthful, but basically it's this. Cognitive distortions are instances where your brain lies to you. So when this happens, your brain creates a narrative in your head. And this narrative does not necessarily reflect on actual reality. What you do is you kind of create an alternate reality for yourself. And this alternate reality has a profound effect on your mood, your behavior, your overall outlook on life. Now these distortions happen every day. But they become even more severe, even more vivid when we are out of our comfort zones especially when we're trying new things. There are a vast array of different types of distortions, but today we're only gonna cover a few. We can go over more if you guys want to, but for today we're just covering some of them that came up during my training for this half marathon. Some thoughts that manifest themselves that I was really surprised about, honestly. All right, now look, I know what some people may be thinking. Yes, you can argue that there is very little difference between being delusional, Having that delusion, like we said with athletes, that you're the better than everyone else. There's very little difference between that and cognitive distortions having a very bad image of yourself. 
And in a way, you're right. Both practices does build a story inside of your head. But the main difference is how that story affects you. Although, yeah, delusions of success can maybe sometimes give you a little bit more than you can handle. Overconfidence can surely make a bed that your ability can't sleep in. But overall, it generally positively impacts your life. Whereas cognitive distortions have little to negative value. Perhaps the best example of these two parallel practices can be seen when we look at a distortion known as emotional reasoning. Some experts estimate that between 60 and 80,000 thoughts go through our heads every day. And keep in mind, we're talking about every thought in your head. Words that you repeat in your mind, comments that your mind makes, repeating words that you heard said, questions, answers to those questions, and a lot of senseless wandering thoughts that you might not be aware of. Either way, these thoughts produce emotions, and those emotions dictate how we interact with life on a daily basis. When you're running, you tend to spend a lot of time by yourself. And the beginning of the journey, when things aren't going as smoothly as you thought, the more tired you become, the less control you have of those thoughts. Over time, a familiar presence begins clouding the mind. Personally, when these clouds came, they were thoughts about myself and my abilities that I would never really think of before. Thoughts that were negative and self-deprecating. I felt as though I would never get better at this running thing. Or perhaps more importantly to myself at the time, I would never lose weight. Each time I had a run that was just horrible, I had doubted myself more and more that I could even make my way up to running 5 miles, let alone 13. But just because we feel a certain way about circumstance, does that necessarily make it true? A few episodes back, we talked about this voice in your head. This voice that has negative thoughts. I called it the whisper. (laughs) I'm back. No, 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 we're not, we're not doing this today. And anyways, emotional reasoning is when you have that feeling, that negative feeling that you can't do it, that voice in the back of your head, that whisper we talked about before, when you have that feeling, but you make it gospel, you make it as though it's 100% correct. It takes how we feel and places an objective conclusion from it. When you do anything, everything for the first time is going to be god awful i mean with this marathon i was tired i couldn't really pace myself i still really don't know how to do that and my legs were so tired that when i sat on the couch i i couldn't get up i just sat there for the rest of the day and believe it or not all this pain came after barely even a mile the main thoughts that were going through my head at this time revolved around how pathetic and out of shape i was i thought that i was a failure and i truly contemplated why did i even sign up for this see at the time my emotions were telling me that i was worthless and that i was in way over my head and that led me to the conclusion that i should just give up because i would never make it anyways in essence emotional reasoning can make us think some crazy things It can make us believe that if we feel lousy, it's because we are lousy and we deserve nothing better. It tells us that if we feel this way, then it must be true, which is horrible because most of the times when we're doing something new and something uncomfortable, we feel lousy in the beginning. But if you look at it logically, how many times 
Have you felt like somebody was angry at you? Or that you were going to bomb an exam or be horrible during an interview only for it to turn out perfectly fine in the end? Emotions are things that sway back and forth during the breeze. One minute you can feel like you're the king of the world and the next minute you can feel like a peasant. We find ourselves suffering through this distortion. One of the hardest things to do is identifying it. It's hard to tell in your own mind when something is actually true or you're just simply being prompted into believing it based on how you feel. I believe a big key in not having your life dictated by this is to try not to make decisions based on the moment. Sometimes it may be best to simply pause and allow yourself to calm down. What I like to do personally is think like a toddler. Whether you have a kid, a friend of yours has a kid, or you just grew up with siblings, you know that there comes a time in a child's life where they begin to understand the concept of a question. A question that they ask over and over and over again. And that question is, why? So what I do is I do this to myself. Either in my head or verbally, go through what the thoughts are and ask, why? Why do you feel this way? Sometimes hearing those answers out loud can really set you back into reality. And it's then when you realize how nonsensical some of those connections may be. But here lies the problem. We may succumb to emotional reasoning because of the messages we receive. Or more so, what our brain focuses in on about that message. If I haven't mentioned it before, I am absolutely horrible at taking criticism. Honestly, you can say that I take it very personally. Take this podcast, for example. I can get a dozen emails about how great this episode was. But if I see one comment on social media saying it sucked, well, you can just forget about the other messages. Because now all I can think about is the word that I missaid or how my voice is too flat and poof. Everything positive about this work on the podcast was for nothing because Bully4388 said I sucked. Now imagine this feeling not only gravitating around you in terms of what people say, but what you say about yourself. Imagine that you can't focus on anything good about yourself or anything someone says that's positive about yourself. This is another cognitive distortion known as mental filtering. Now imagine you're a basketball player, right? And you're playing a game and you won. Then a friend of yours comes up to you and said, look, man, dude, that first quarter was rough, but man, you turned it around and you dominated after that. You should be proud, dude. To many of us, this would be a great thing to hear. But, but if you suffer from mental filtering, this is what you probably heard. Dude, that first quarter was rough. This can be a highly overwhelming issue to have. You can't appreciate anything about your life because of slight imperfections. What may seem to be unimportant to some may become a small infection to you. It's like a rash that just won't go away. A person who suffers from mental filtering may first start off with a slight itch of the criticism. Wanting that imperfection to go away, they'll scratch at it over and over and over again, becoming fixated on that problem. And over time, that small itch becomes a little rash that just grows and grows and grows until it's all over your body. This can be debilitating for some people. And in extreme circumstances, this can bring out 
panic attacks. The mind becomes overwhelmed with negative thoughts and because of its inability to accept the positive ones, a person can truly believe that their life is spiraling downward and there's no hope for redemption. Which leads us to yet another distortion, one that crept up on me during race day, catastrophizing. Typically, the more you do something, the better of an idea you have on how something should feel when it's going well. I'm sure you hear people talk about being in the zone or having some sort of a rhythm. And when that rhythm is off, that's that's when problems arise. So throughout my training, I had become accustomed to 10 mile runs. That was like my ceiling before the race day. And during those runs, I kind of knew what to expect. For me, the first mile was always a warm up. It was usually kind of stiff, but slowly I would loosen up. And about at the six mile mark, I would hit my stride. And this happened time and time again when I did those 10 mile runs until the day I needed it to be exactly the same. For some reason or another, into mile six that day on race day, I didn't really feel like myself. I had to stop and had to stretch way more often and I felt more fatigued than usual. It was bad enough my body was acting weird, but because of this, my mind began to go in this worst case scenario mode Everything's going horribly mode, a.k.a. catastrophizing mode. So while I'm trying to stretch and run and recover, I couldn't help but to think of horrible scenarios where the fatigue became too much and I could no longer finish a race, or I thought that the increase of fatigue would cause me to get hurt, utterly ruining my body forever. I even imagined telling every person who supported me on this journey that I couldn't do it because my legs hurt and I failed. Every morning, waking up early and every night going to bed sore would all be for nothing in my mind. And as you can see, catastrophizing leads you down some rabbit hole of negative thoughts. So as mental filtering allows you to observe only the negative in the external, meaning things you see or things people say, catastrophizing does something a little bit different. It makes all that crazy and negative emotions come from the inside it's you perpetuating it all in my case i had a factor that contributed to my thoughts but in many cases this isn't even necessary some people often are plagued with catastrophizing and are doomed before the event even begins because what happens is they always think of the worst case scenario and fixate on that scenario every corner has danger everything can hurt you and when looking through life with this lens You are always in the worst case scenario. There is no hope. And there is no happy ending. Which leads us back to this. I started doing this because I wanted to get delusional. I wanted to do something I never thought I could do. And about 8 miles into the run of my life, I found myself facing all sorts of distortions. Doubt, emotional reasoning, mental filtering catastrophizing all weighed on me as if I was running with the ball and chain on my ankle and it appeared to be at the moment where I was supposed to believe I could I felt that without a doubt I couldn't as I was taking the next step and the next step gasping for air reaching for some sort of motivation I realized something maybe just maybe I was already solving the problem without even realizing it. 
Listen closely. Do you hear that? That's the sound of one foot hitting in front of the other. Despite believing I couldn't, despite thinking that the worst can and will happen, I kept moving. Perhaps the most delusional thing we can do is dare to try. Perhaps what separates those delusional athletes from everyone else is that they simply dare to try. They try not only during those big fights or those big games, the big races, but during the small practices, during the wins, during the losses, no matter what, they put one foot in front of the other. And no, do not get me wrong, cognitive distortions are a very real thing. Many people are debilitated by these thoughts. And if you think you may be one of them, then counseling may be the best option. But in some cases, maybe our behaviors can change our thoughts. Ex-Navy SEAL David Goggins is a man who's lost 100 pounds in three months, once held the world record for pull-ups in a day, and has completed a whole bunch of ultra-marathons, is a man that has lived a life full of delusion. He has done things many would deem to be impossible. But when he's asked about how he does these things, he often refers to something so simple. He talks about his cookie jar. When you believe that you can't do something, when you think that things are always going horribly wrong and can never be done, Goggins says to look back at the times in the past when you did something that you thought was impossible. Instead of thinking about now, about the thing ahead of you, look back at something that you were proud of. Something that proves to you that you were capable of good things. These memories of past victories are considered the cookies in the cookie jar. If you could do those things, then surely you can do whatever's in front of you right now. So I thought about this and began to put my hands into my own cookie jar as we were heading into mile 12. I had two friends beside me for moral support and I began thinking of the things that got me here. Once upon a time, I never thought I could do five miles. Yet here I was on 12. I thought 10 miles were for maniacs and people who were just masochists that are just crazy. But yet, I was on mile 12. While training for this, I lost over 40 pounds. And I was able to transform my body into a machine that could do something I never thought was possible. For me to do all those things had to mean that there was some sort of greatness inside myself. The more and more I reached into my cookie jar, the more and more I believed I could finish. My confidence began to shift and my thoughts went from how can I finish this to how fast I can get this done. With each step, my body grew weaker, but my mind grew stronger. And next thing you knew, I took the final step and achieved what I thought was once out of reach. Distortions are lies that our brain tells us. And the only way to combat that is with the truth. And each success in your cookie jar is evidence of that truth. Every battle won will give you strength for the next one. That is the biggest thing I've learned from this process. And now as I'm recording this, I'm looking over at this half marathon finisher medal and thinking to myself, what crazy thing can I do next? Push through those distortions and get delusional, one step at a time. Thank you all for listening, and until next time, take it easy.